Hello everyone and welcome to NGF News. My name is Alec and we have Josh here. Uh, we're going to be in this latest Global Developments episode. We're going to be talking about the military coup in Niger and the Spanish elections and the future of the European Union. We do apologize for uh, the inconsistency in episode uploads. We're trying to move down in BC, so we're doing a lot of back and forth between um, our contacts in Washington as well as uh, trying to balance everything else in our lives. So we do apologize for that. Um, but we will be going back to regular uploading very shortly once me and Josh are literally in the same room together <laughs> in the same fantastic. apartment. Yeah. <laughs> but we're excited for that. We're also looking for internships uh, down there as well to finish off our degree. So uh, just bear with us as the the storm calms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Been very busy. <laughs> God. But we're going to go straight into it. Um, we're going to be talking about the military coup in Niger. This has been headlines everywhere, everywhere, especially because of the growing Russian influence in Africa. This is just the cherry on top of everything. So in Niger, there was a military coup. Um, and uh, the military coup has been organized to uh, uh, has been authorized to topple the existing democratic government. Um, the military has gone in and I think they've already... Uh, detained him, if I'm not mistaken. So the president, Mohamed Bazoum, who was a uh, ally of the West, was overthrown in the coup, in the coup, in the coup. Um, and uh, what else we have here? Yeah, and that's that's what I have for the beginning of the uh, just the basic stuff. That's kind yeah. of what's going on at the moment. There have been there's obviously a lot of attempted coups and coups and civil wars. Lately going on in Africa, uh, Niger has been grappling with two Islamic uh, insurgencies, one in the southwest and one in the southeast. Both have ties to al-Qaeda and ISIS. So they've been dealing with this for a while. 2015, there was coups in Mali and uh, Nigeria right around, or attempted coups around, which are around uh, Niger. So this is not something that they were expecting, but it's not something that was wasn't on the table because of the high Islamic extremist uh, insurgency, and that's what the guards, whom I'm going to use the word arrested the president and locked him up in his home, seized the president's better word. Uh, that's what they've they're jihadists is what many people have come to assume. We're not too sure exactly, but that's the assumption. So it's interesting uh, that. They, they even attempted because the military isn't even behind the, the guards. The military, and, and most of the military, as far as I've read, has said that they are trying to actively get the president out and his family without any kind of fatalities or shots fired. Um, you know what I find really interesting is how sudden it was. It was just like it, it went from just nothingness to immediate coup and violence the next day it was just like night and day yeah this coup and this this coup has very very big implications because one for uh one for example the french there's a french military base uh in niger and france has 
currently pulled out all of their um what was it support towards uh, Niger, uh the government of Niger along with other EU countries so yeah um and then another thing is that Niger is also a major producer of re- uranium and then most of this uranium did go to France so this is a big red flag for France and this is very um how do i say this it's complicated for the EU and and they had to pu- and as a response, they had to pull out all of their foreign investment, but I'm not sure how that one's going to play out because Niger can just say, hey, if you don't want to give us investments, you continue our funding for schools, education, um, and other uh, whatever else they use the money for. It'd be like, we could just go to the Russians. That's that's totally fine. If you don't want it, then someone else can have the uranium and, and uh, all that. Yeah, it's a sad story because... You know, France. France was one of uh, Niger's uh, colonists back in a long, long time ago, and I, I don't remember exactly when they were um, declared a state, but I, I could guarantee it was past 1950. And so they have very big colonial ties to France, um, and now that they're fallen, and this isn't the first one that has colonial ties to France that have fallen in coups. Uh, like I said before, is Mali and Burkina Faso. I didn't, I said Nigeria before I meant Burkina Faso. I don't know why I said Nigeria, but that is a really, really, really big issue for the EU as they see Africa as a place where they can get resources and become friends and have economic exchanges. But, you know, you know, throw the EU out. The EU needs to either help or just go away because right now this is not – there are so many coups that are going on in Africa, so much instability that the EU needs to stop worrying about where their money is. Well, they don't need to stop worrying. They need to start worrying and start trying to go in there and help them out because the, the, this is, uh, like you said, random and uh, – the president Mohammed Bazoum has been tweeting saying that he's okay, but he said the guards are what they call anti-republicans in Niger. I'm only quoting because I don't really know what anti-republican means in their context. Probably just their government. And the the gov- the president and the military have been given ultimatums, basically. That say the president's guards have been given ultimatums, like you either let them go or we're going to come in and, and shoot you. So, and other countries have responded as well um, in in Western Africa called in the ECOWAS region, which is the block of Western African states. And they said that military option is the very last option on the table, the last resort, and we have to prepare for the eventuality. So they, they're looking to show that they, uh, another quote is they need to demonstrate that we cannot only bark, but we can bite. So they, and this comes from Reuters. They are mm-hmm. – this, this is the last resort, but this is like – this could become an all-out war within Western Africa. The way they're they're putting it is that they don't want war, but the way they're wording it is like we're, we're ready. Like we yeah. want we're, – we're hungry for it is, is the way – every time I read that, uh, that's that's what I think. Is yeah. that the way the, the way they're wording it and the, the use of their words is like we don't want war, but deep down we want war is yeah <laughs> is is how i read it um and here's here's my first question right let's say i don't i don't want this to happen but let's say there is some sort of military intervention will wagner be involved in no, this 
because Wagner, for those who don't know, have operations in four different African countries, all with one goal is to provide security for um, the government of each of those four countries. I don't remember off the top of my head, but yeah. they are Ethiopia obviously pro-Russian. I believe yeah. so. So I, believe I think so. I think Wagner Group centered more in Eastern Africa. So this is their chance to go to the West, unfortunately, to get influence in the West and bring in resources back to to the Russians uh, for the war in Ukraine and just for the Russians in general to build up military or supplies, keep their economy going. So that's that's you got a good point there. That's going to be an interesting one to see if the Wagner Group has any involvement, which is why I think that um, the United States and the EU really needs to get involved with it as well and send troops or, or any kind of diplomats to get something negotiated to have a ceasefire so they can have talks or get the guys who are holding the president hostage you know, out and get the president out. Something's got to be done because the U.S. Embassy, I was just reading, has just been evacuated. So, or, or it is in the process of that, of that being evacuated. So this, the, it's interesting how the United States isn't going to get more involved even because they're so invested in the war in Ukraine, you'd think that they'd be more involved in something like this, especially with Wagner being one of the big players that can, you know, influence that region. I think my biggest surprise was how the uh, France's response was just, you know what, we're just going to pull our money and resources yeah. and that's it. That's it. Exactly. And it's like, you have assets there. You have things you need to worry about. The, yes, have they uh, – what was it? I think there was a thing I read off the BBC where he talks about this one person, this one citizen in uh, Niger, and he goes, quote, they've exploited all my riches in my country, such as uranium, petroleum, and gold. The poorest Nigerians are unable to eat three times a day because of France. Now, it's like you pulled out, and not only have you made it worse before, but you made it worse – even more worse, if that makes sense. Like, you, you, yeah. you're not doing anything by just pulling out your money and resources. What they could have done is they could have said, okay, we understand where the pro-Russian sediment is coming from. Yes, we might have messed up. Here's what we can do with you. They should have yeah. been the ones to take the step up and say, listen, we have done this and we are going to fix this by doing this. We don't want you to go to the Russians because this. That's that's my my opinion yeah. on all this. There's there's one thing that we need to take into account there though. Elections for France <laughs> coming up next summer or that the summer after, and if Macron gets himself involved in this situation, you know for a fact the far right's gonna come out and be like, France is starting wars. Macron is a warmongerer. And then all this thing's going to go up, and then Marine Le Pen, or Le Pen is going to have more people to vote for her on the far right, um, which which is what she is for people who don't agree to disagree. You know, they're, they're, I think she's probably the farthest right person running for office in a long time in Europe. And so this is fascinating because this is an election. This is coming up to an election cycle, so this is exactly why they're pulling out. It's politicized. Yeah. It goes down to politics at the end of the day. Always. They don't want – that's a fair point. I didn't even take into account the French elections. 
This is yeah. this is all just politics in the EU, and most of, most of them are during are in their election phase right now. I think it was. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure which European countries exactly it was that they pulled out, but I know France was. I think. Uh oh, Germany said they pulled out of some of their investments. Oh jeez. Um, and there was one more country. I'm not. I it's just the EU and France in general cut off financial support. So. And then the United States said we're going to do the same thing, but I, I understand, but I also think there could have been better ways to have mediated the situation. And my next question is how, how do we solve this? Are we just going to do what we did in, uh, what we did in Sudan and just, just leave it? Call a ceasefire and then say, okay, we did it. We did something. We did it. We <laughs> solved the problem. Yeah. Um, here, here's what I don't understand because you said before that France has a military base within Niger. Why not use that strategically for the military and coordinate? The French military doesn't even need to, to fire shots. Just help coordinate, do recon missions to help get the president out and, and use politics to help establish and diplomats to help establish elections because this was their first, I think this was Niger's first since the 2011 coup actually democratically elected president like it was it, the election was apparently so fair that nobody was upset but now obviously the islamic extremists they don't want him in there because he's been fighting them the president Uzama has been fighting them to try and protect his people obviously and so i don't understand why france doesn't use their their strength to having that base strategically there to help fight or just help in any way they can to get the president out and stop this coup from happening. Because the Capitol, apparently, the day of, I'm not sure how it is now, but apparently the day the president was seized in the Capitol, everything was normal. Everyone was going to work, eating lunch, coming home from work, going to school like it was a normal day. Nothing happened except that the that's, president was locked up in his house. That's that's interesting. Yeah, so that I hope is, France gets more involved. I I don't want France to be involved in that way because you said you want – well, not that you want, but uh, you said that France should use their base as a way for recon missions and supplying information to uh, Western countries or uh, whoever – whatever group that backs Western powers, but – I kind of want to go against that because I don't want that kind of because they're going to the, the military coup is going to see it as, oh, the French are going to continue their exploitation of Niger. We must continue pressing forward with our coup. True. That's that's going to be the direct response. And maybe they can do it covertly. But if if it's found out, then they just then Russia will use it as propaganda to say, oh the west in africa only care about their resources yeah please come to russia <laughs> yep and that, that but that's where ecowas is going to come in big uh a uh, big play here the west african states is they're going to i think you're right uh, that is a good point that they should just use the west african states uh, as as the block to help stop the coup because they are they Almost are there like a proxy. Yeah, they have a military, apparently. I didn't know that. They have a military. They can use force. They can use diplom 
diplomacy. They can use economics any way possible to help stop these people from holding the president hostage to stop a coup from taking over the government. Because there is, uh, as of recently, I, th- I remember reading, this just came to my head, that I think that the military leader is now, like the general, highest general is now the leader of the country at the moment, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, I read that the other day on the BBC on Instagram of all places. <laughs> so that that is interesting. And that that's where ECOWAS can come in handy. They can use that to negotiating power, use military if need be to help, you know, reestablish a, a nation that has had elected a president democratically. What I want to see more from the West is counter offering Russia in Africa in general, not in just Niger. Yeah. Russia just forgave Africa two hundred and sixty billion dollars worth in like in loans. A lot to a lot of money. Uh, for different projects within Africa. And this is exactly why we're going to lose our influence in Africa. And and you might be thinking, well, Russia is probably not as exploitative as the West. They are, if not, equally or more exploitative because they use Wagner to collect gold and other precious metals for, in return, they offer protection to african leaders and commit atrocities within the four uh, countries that wagner operates in they are terrible and russian influence is going to be the next kind of problem with china where china went in and said here's all this money we're gonna build absolutely crap infrastructure have it crumble yeah. on you and now you're gonna be in that it's going to be another one of those things where russia is going to plunder africa while the West has offered money for different programs for Africa in return for resources, of course, because that's just how the diplomatic world works anyways. It's, I'll do this, you do that for me, and yeah. we'll be on our, hap- our on our merry way. And I think we need something bigger. We need a bigger project. We need something that the, gov- the current government in Niger, the one that is now dominated by the military coup, say – Oh, what have we done? We need something like that. We need an economic offer. A big, uh, how do I want to say this? A big package to an African country to kind of help them develop and kind of serve that as a model for, okay, we're missing out on this. We need to work with the West. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Like a great point because... What China has what China has offered is infrastructure. Now, what Russia is offering is debt relief. If the United States can come in and offer their their versions of debt relief and infrastructure to Africa, economic gains, you know, trade relations, you know, even normalized political ties between countries, we can offer obviously better in every category. We offer such we have such great infrastructure and. and plenty of different ways to build it we have the best economy in the world the largest market we have natural resources out the out the wazoo just as they do so we can trade with them we can we can invest in them we can build them up economically build up their infrastructure and they can see that wow okay this is the u.s is what they can do let's say no to china let's say no to russia let's move to to the united states 
then Europe can get involved and they can become a whole thing. They just completely ignore Russia, China, and any other of the countries that are not giving them the best and at the moment. And, and they're tired of Russia and China. They really are. But they don't have an alternative. The United States and Europe are not giving them an alternative. And that is a big, big problem. Their alternative is just to pull out. Yep. If there's a problem, pull out. Yeah, leave. I mean, it, for us too, the United oh. States, our, our elections are next year as well. So yep. they don't want uh, – the Biden administration definitely does not want any sort of involvement abroad except when it comes to Ukraine. Yep. That's that's just how politics is, unfortunately. We don't think of the smaller countries that need our support. We think of – and now people might be thinking, well, why should we support – African countries we already tied up in in Ukraine. It's more of globalization and a return on investment. Your biggest return on investment for anything is going to be in Africa. They have what the world needs to do all all the things we want. But it's only fair to the Africans should we provide them all the resources they need, the education they need. I personally think we should have some sort of free movement so where the african students can come into the united states or the eu study and then take all their knowledge that they learn and to go back yeah. to build i i that's that's what i think i think that's a hot take but that would be great i think it would if you if you were to educate the youth on democratic values and principles and how to run a government you wouldn't have had these coups you won't have any issues you would have everyone with one basic understanding of government and of course, there should be opposition. They sh- we're going to teach them how to be, how to think differently, how to think, how to debate, how to be diplomatic, how everything, everything yeah. you need to run a government. I think it's only fair, and that's probably one of, one of a good, one of many different ways to solve these coups from hap- from happening again. Yeah, and fractured governments and fractured societies too. I think that. That would help the youth. Be, youth being involved is their is their so um, they can help make the biggest changes. Um, but if you don't have anything else, we can move on to the Spanish elections. Um, of course, yeah. So obviously, speaking of many many different things that are going on within the world, Spanish elections was a very fascinating one. This is as of Sunday. I am not sure if there have been a. Uh, a coalition that has come in to vote in a prime minister. I don't know if you've read anything about that yet. I have. Uh, I think it's um, just their lower level of Congress, which is kind of like our version of the House of Reps. Yeah. I'm not sure, but I have the full election numbers here. If you want me to, they've they've counted all the votes, so. Yep. Oh, it's, yeah, there here it is. So 100% of the votes, lower house of parliament, with the majority going to the conservative People's Party run by Alberto Nunez Feijo. That's, I think that's correct. Um, so they have 136 uh, of the votes slash seats. And then we have the POSC, which is Spanish Workers Party. This was uh, Pedro Sanchez. He is on the left party. And then uh, Vox Party, which was the ultra-nationalist party. Um, they are very anti-immigration, so this is their far, far right. Yeah. Um, the People's Party is more of a center-right party, and then Vox is far right. And then you have uh, the Sumar Party, 
for, um, which is their uh, radical left with 31 votes. And then coming in with uh, seven is the Catalan Republic left. So another right swing. Oh, yeah. Another right swing in the European Union. We have Italy. We have Spain. We have Greece. Some France Scandinavian. France could be next. And there has been talks of France going right. Especially far right. <laughs> I I don't think they're gonna go far right, but they will be going some sort of right. But yeah, this um I just want to talk more about the, the Spanish election, and uh I want to talk more about what um Alberto Nunez offers for the for the people of Spain. So he plans on making some uh policy changes. Uh, he wants to slim down government ministries and reduce certain political. Uh, departments, uh, reduce departments and reduce political spending, and then he wants to not raise taxes and lower personal income uh, tax rates for those making 40,000 euros or less. Um, he wants to make tweaks to this uh, to Spain's labor market, and he wants to reform transgender uh, legislation to make it less accessible uh, and review the euthanasia laws. Um, and he will... And that's kind of his big major... Um, policies that he wants to pursue uh, while running yeah. while running Spain. Yeah, I guess that's yeah, Prime Minister. Yeah, so it's it, it's been interesting. So there's what 352 seats I think in total. 136 were won. So a majority needs 176 votes. So even with the the right and the far right, there isn't enough votes to get a full one full party or one full coalition into government without going towards the other side or looking at Catalonia to be um, part of, to to elect a new prime minister. So as of now, uh, Pedro Sanchez is going to be the guy in power. Um, unless the the far right, the right, and other pe- other uh, seats can go to get to that 176 mark, but this again, this is another show of what Europe is just trending. It's just going towards the right. They are becoming more conservative. They're becoming more uh, what's the word uh, nationalist. And this was the United States in 2016. Um, and Donald Trump did not get a second term, but um, this is still a trend is that the right in the world is going to become more and more popular and um, for good or for bad, you know, we don't really know. It's nothing crazy. It's obviously going to go in waves over time, but this is the new trend in Europe. And I think it's very fascinating because Europe has always been fairly left leaning. So the fact is that it's been going towards this, this right and in some cases, there is a big far right parties are getting much bigger. Um, we can start seeing a little bit more trends in terms of immigration, where they're going to be closed off um, in terms of, you know, their participation in the EU could be at stake for some countries. So this will be fascinating to see how further elections can maybe stabilize, destabilize Europe. We don't really know. I think it's going to be interesting. I think EU is just going to go right. I think they had enough. Uh, well, the people I think had enough of left policies, and they need, they want change. They want to change it up a bit. They want to see what they can do, especially with the economy right now. I mean, we're yeah. recovering. 
U.S. is headed towards. I, I personally think that the U.S. has achieved a soft landing. I don't know if it's too early to call that, but the EU is still struggling um, economically with inflation as well. So they want right parties to solve this economic problem. They want to solve the immigration issues. They want to combat um, Russia. They want. They just want to be. I don't want to say closed off, but they want to focus. EU is trying to look more inwards now, which is a yes. first for in a while. The EU has never looked inwards for a long time. So seeing seeing this change kind of shows that people want people I think are done with the EU looking more outwards, and they want to focus on themselves for a little bit before they can go out again. Which I don't know how I feel about that. Because the people in the EU do deserve to kind of have that kind of livable place, place to stay. I mean, it's just, for example, in Greece, the average salary is like seven, eight hundred euros for a person like me with some college. And it's it's not sustainable because rent in Greece, for example, is like four or five hundred euros for a decent apartment. It's nothing too crazy. Yeah. And people want people want money. People want a stable life. But I also do want to ensure. I, I want to know that going the EU going right doesn't result in loss of foreign direct investment and their lack of that kind of outwards looking. I think they should still be looking outwards to see what kind of economic partners they're going to make. I I do want to see how they. I, the EU did announce that they were, in our previous episode, that they were going to um, pour billions into Latin American investment. And I hope that the when there's a right shift, that we don't lose that kind of momentum in the European Union. I think that we need that in order to keep prices low in the European Union. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I think that's a great point because, you know, this, this election is showing – Two things is that Europe obviously is going right, but the people are tired of the current policies within the EU, and they want to go to try to make change. And that's a good thing because that's the point of government. The point of government is to try and change what you see because obviously what was working was not working for their people anymore, and they want to change it. It's exactly why we're going to hope – not hopefully. We're going to see shifts in other countries as well. So this this shift and this change in policy is going to do many big things to the international community. Like you said, one of the big things is they're going to be looking more inward. So a lot of the a lot of the foreign direct investments, a lot of ties between diplomatic ties between countries is going to maybe shut down or slow down a little bit within the EU because if they have a leader that's focusing on the people, their policies and their what they're running on is going to be mostly dedicated to the people, like the Spanish on the the People's Party. He is looking to not cut ta to make sure taxes don't rise, make sure that we have livable wages within the entire country. So he's looking to focus on their people, and so that is obviously going to take away from what's going outwards, and it is unfortunate, but. This is the wave um, that's going within Europe, and we're probably going to see a lot more of it. 
and we'll just have to see over the next five years what it does. If it if it's better, if it's for worse, if there's another heavy medium that, that they can find, if the United States has a, something that they can help them with, see what happens with China and Russia, how they react to it, and all the other big all the other players in the world. Yep, exactly. And I do want to also add that most of these European countries that are going right are still keeping the same pledges to NATO. Yes. And are still keeping the same pledges to alliances they currently have. So they're not looking fully inwards. They're looking inwards to a certain extent. Yeah. So I do want to add that for those who are worried that a right might have complications within NATO because NATO is such an um, important part to European security. And it requires all countries in NATO to look outwards. So that yeah. NATO, I think with a far with not a far right with with a right lean would be strengthened and i think we need that type of strength um to combat russia i absolutely agree because with the with a nato that is more right leaning you're going to see more security interests so it's going to secure the the mainland of europe and the united states will obviously be a part of that in canada so that'll be very i think i think it'll also be beneficial if it is a more right leaning security based policy in NATO and within those individual countries. Exactly. Um, so, I don't have anything else to add to this, Josh, unless nope, you do. I do not. No. Something is we all got to keep our eyes on because uh, if by any chance that that, new, that Sanchez is relieved from his duties, which is highly likely, and he just goes back to being part of the cab, uh, the parliament and they elect a new prime minister, um, We'll see because they still don't have that coalition majority. Um, so the likely is is that Sanchez is going to probably just keep his seat anyway, just because he's going to try and strike a deal with mm. them. Which is what happened in uh, what was it in 2019 with uh, Theresa May in England? She was mm. not the ruling party anymore, but she struck a deal to stay prime minister. So I, I could see that happening uh, again, so he could keep his power. And I think what that'll do is also create a balance. Is that well? They got a socialist leader from the left party in charge, but they have a, a right majority, and I think it'll create balance to where they can come up with compromises. And I think that's how all of Europe should look at it. I agree Hopefully. fully. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, thank you everyone for watching, or watching, listening, wherever you are, YouTube, Spotify. I'm. Uh, we're still working on uploading all our podcasts to YouTube. It's been a slow process um, because they do take a while to process and upload. So they will be on there. We're trying our best here, and our website will be up soon. Uh, then later, we've been also running into some uh, issues with the website as well uh, with development. Yeah. But everything that we want for NGF News is going to be happening regardless of the challenges or not. But um, and it'll be much easier for us to develop content once we, um, once me, Josh, and uh, Gabriel, who is a part of our team, uh, are all together and um, working together in a physical environment rather than a virtual environment. Yeah, so, much easier. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm excited. So yes. thank you all for listening to this uh, latest global developments uh, episode, and we'll see you in our topic of the week episode. See you.